This program is brought to you by BibleWay Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. Thank you for joining me today as we begin a new series of lessons, uh, maybe a mini-series, so to speak, but looking at the prayer of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we want to begin first by looking at the prayer itself. Then we're going to go back and look at the, more of the context, looking at Hannah's situation and her hardships. As you look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, looking at verses 9 through 11, here the Bible says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord, and wept in anguish. Then she said, Then she made a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come, shall come upon his head. This is, in short, the prayer of Hannah. Hannah's prayer is one that is not uncommon today. The desire to have children is a common one, but for some it is not always easy, and for some it just simply is not possible. God reminds us, however, that with Him, <clears throat> truly all things are possible, and that with great faith comes great blessings. This does not mean that for us today, that if we pray hard enough, that we will have a child, because physically it just may not be possible. We recognize that during Hannah's time is a time in which uh, God did numerous things for individuals in a almost in a many times a miraculous sense. And while yes, God will answer our prayers sometimes today and do so in various ways, we should not expect that our prayers will have the same answer that Hannah's had. As you look at First uh, Samuel chapter one, going back uh, to verses one and two, we look at Hannah's situation. We find that Hannah, we look at Hannah's husband and his wives, a plurality of wives. First Samuel chapter 1, looking at verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now there was a certain man of uh, Ramathan Sophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, and the son of Jehoam, the son of Elu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zophu, or Zoph, and an Ephraimite. You gotta love all those Old Testament names. Verse 2, and he had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penel, or Penah. Penah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice. So let's stop there for a second. We find verses 1 and 2 that this man had two wives. It was Hannah and Penah, or Penah, everyone pronounced that. And we find that Penah had children, but Hannah had no children. The name of Hannah's husband, Elkanah, means God has obtained the name Penna means jewel, whereas the name Hannah means grace. It's always encouraging to me to see the meaning behind so many of these names. If you think about those names again, Hannah's husband, his name meaning God has obtained, Penna meaning jewel, and Hannah's name simply meaning grace. As you look at Hannah further, we find in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verses 3 through 9, we look at Hannah's hardship. We find first in verse 3 that Penna had children and sons and daughters, as we find in verse 3, while Hannah did not. Looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, This man went up from, uh, from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hopanah and uh, Hopni, and Phineas, the priest of the Lord, was there. 
And whenever the time came from Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Pena, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. We find as we continue reading here, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. And so we find in verse 7 that Pinnah was not a very kind person, not to Hannah at least, as she provoked her. We find in verse 6, the Bible says to make, that she provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So we find that's the source of the, of the, of the heartache that Pinnah is, is pushing upon her. It's because she has no children. We find in verse 7, the Bible says, So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking shallow. Now, the, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. What's interesting to me, and we find in verses 3 through 9, is the attitude of her husband. We find here in verse 8 that he points out here, he asks her why she weeps, why she did not eat, why her heart was grieved, and he says, Am I not better to you than ten sons? We find that, that even though Hannah had no children, I shouldn't say even, even though, she had no children, it was not any cause of her own. And we find here it's interesting that when he speaks of her husband and how he viewed her, that he loved her dearly. We find in verse 5 of First Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says, But to Hannah he gave a double portion, for he loved Hannah. It's interesting and important to note that he did not despise her because she did not have children. No one said we find in verse 5 that he loved her. The Bible says he gave her a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, what did the Lord actually cause her womb to be closed, or was it that she simply had no children, her womb was closed, and the Lord was going to open it later? Therefore, this time it was closed in the sense that God simply had not opened it? We do not know. Maybe, yes, he did close her womb on purpose until a certain time came to pass to work out his own will in her life. We do not know. The Bible doesn't say. But it is worded in such a way that it would seem that the Lord had closed her womb. But it's, what we want to point out here in verse 5 is that Hannah's husband loved her dearly. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult in life, and no doubt I can't, you know, as a husband and as a father, I cannot say I know what it's like to have no children because we, have, we do have one child. But I do know, and I'm familiar with those who have struggled to have children. Some have been successful and been able to have children over the years, while others have been unable to do so, or have their own children, I should say. And there's a lot of heartache there. There's a lot of trial, a lot of attempts to have children, as we would say, the natural way, so to speak. But we find here in verse 5 that this did not cause Hannah's husband to become upset with her. It did not cause him to call upon her or look upon her as some worthless individual or that she was something less to be, to be looked upon than, than his other wife, Pinnah. But the Bible says really clearly here that he loved her. And friends, that is the correct response, isn't it? as her inability to have children was not her own. As we find, as we continue reading, that she obviously desperately wanted to have children. And that during this time period, that Hannah's husband loved her dearly. The Bible says he gave her a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. 
We find in verse 6 and 7 that Pinnah, who is looked upon as being her rival, as it's worded there in verse 7, provoked her severely, not her husband, but this other woman. And how sad it is that there are indeed some women out there today and some individuals, not just women, but there are some individuals out there today who do almost look down upon others who have no children. Friends, that's not how we treat one another. That is an unbiblical and a harsh and, yes, even a sinful way to look upon others. We find here as we look in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah's husband loved her dearly. He did not look down upon her. He did not look at her as if she, it was all her fault or anything like that. The Bible doesn't reveal that at all. And finds we, In fact, as we find here in verse 8, the Bible shows us very clearly that her husband cared about her and was concerned about her. He cannot open up her womb. We find in verse 8 that he asked her the questions, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? It seems clear that he was unaware of Pinnah who was treating her this way. Maybe uh, she did these things when he was not around and that Hannah never spoke a word of it. That shows you more of her character. She suffered seemingly in silence until we find here in verse 8 where she has broken down and her husband sees it. It's also interesting that her husband does not walk away as he sees her being in anguish and despair. When he sees her weeping, when he notices that she's not eating and that she is grieved in her heart, he doesn't walk away and say, well, she'll get over it. No, that's not what he says at all. He asks her, why is she, do, why is she doing these things? Why does she feel this one? Why, when, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? See, as husbands and wives and as mothers and fathers, we have to be those who are looking out for one another. The husband must look out for his wife the wife must be one who is caring for her husband. And we find here in verse verse 8, that her husband, yes, we find this time period, he had two wives, but we notice that Hannah is not despised. She's only despised in the eyes of her rival, as the Bible puts it there. And we find in verse 8, he asked her, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? He says in verse 8, Am I not better to you than ten sons? Maybe he felt in some way that because he's so good at her, she had no reason to cry. You know, sometimes we had to realize that there are more things in life than just uh, uh, someone treating us well. Sometimes the desire to have a family is very, very important. And no doubt that's not a bad thing. But we find in verse 8, he never seems to speak down to her. And that is very important for us to remember. We, we noticed that Penna had children. She had sons and daughters, as we find in verse 3, while Hannah did not. We found that Hannah received a double portion from her husband. This may be why her rival provoked her severely year after year, or at least in part of it. But the text doesn't say that's why she was provoked. She was provoked because she had no children. But yet some will advocate that perhaps this double portion did not help. Well, she received a double portion because she didn't have any children. The actions of her rival combined with being barren drove Hannah to tears. It seems to cause a loss of appetite, as we find in verse uh, in verse 7 and verse 8, the Bible says in verse 7 that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. In verse 8, her husband recognizes that she is not eating. Elkanah reminds Hannah of his love for her and his good treatment of her and shows his concern for her. Let's look next in First Samuel chapter 1. <clears throat> Let's look here in verses 10 and 11. Looking at Hannah's prayer, the Bible says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord, and wept, in anguish. She was in bitterness of soul. What an interesting phrase to use when you think about her mindset. Was she angry towards God? I don't think that's really what's talking about. I think it makes more sense to really to 
this really kind of explains more of her actions in verse nine, and or excuse me, verse eight and verse seven. Why was she? Why was she not eating? Why was she grieved because she was in bitterness of soul? That is, she was deeply, deeply hurt because she had no children. She was deeply, deeply hurt because Pinna, his her husband's other wife, at this time was provoking her, and so she is grieved in spirit. She is deeply saddened and deeply hurt because she has no sons or daughters. We find in verse 9, or excuse me, verse 10, the Bible says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. You know, we think about that word anguish. It simply means that she mourned, she wept over, she she uh, lamented, you might say, here. And what is, she, what is she weeping over? The fact that she had no children. It's a very sad scene to think of an individual who wants to have children so very badly and is unable to do so. What does she do, though? Notice she doesn't lash out at her husband. She doesn't, the text does not record her lashing out at uh, Pinna, the, the other wife. <laughs> she doesn't lash out at all. In fact, what does she do year after year? The Bible points out that year after year, what does she do? That she went and she, and she worshipped God, right? We find in verse 4, whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to been his wife, and we find in verse 7, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord. What did she do? She did what she's supposed to do the whole entire time. What did she do? While she was wanting children, while she was being provoked, while she was in great despair, she kept doing what God commanded. She kept going up year by year to the house of the Lord. See, friends, that's how we respond in times of great despair and in times of great joy. We do what is right. No matter what is going on in our lives, no matter how badly we want certain things to take place, and no matter how uh, how you know much we are struggling with it, no matter how how much bitterness we have within us, how much anguish and and mourning and depression we have within us, we keep doing what is right, because friends, changing and doing what is wrong will not solve anything. The only way anything gets better is by keeping God first, putting Him first, and keeping Him first. We find in verse uh, verse 11, the Bible says, So she made a vow. The word vow there uh, can be something, uh, can be also referred to as a promise to do or to give something. So she made a promise or a vow. She says here in verse 11, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, that then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. We find in verse 11 that all she wants is a child, that she will give him to as a servant to God, no, and, and that in doing so we know that she will be able to see her child at various times uh, throughout the year, forget all the details of that exactly, but she's able to, to do that. And we find in verse 11 that what is this promise she makes to God? She says, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. Notice how many times she refers to herself as your maidservant there in verse 11. We've count one, two, three times she refers to herself as, as the maidservant, your maidservant, meaning she's a servant of God. She serves him. How important it is for us to remember to always serve God, no matter what is going on in our lives. She says in verse 11, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Clearly, we're not talking about some 
human sacrifice in verse 11, but the idea there, she's going to give him over to serve the Lord, that she's going to dedicate him to God, and that he will serve him. We find in verse 11, she mentions how no razor shall come upon his head, a reference to the Nazarite vow, where you were not to shave your head. The Bible says in verse 13, Now Hannah spoke in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of, sor of, of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have, have spoken until now. Then, then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. It's interesting that Eli was watching her, and it's clear that he didn't know what she was saying. And keep in mind, she is weeping and in and, and, and great despair. And so he thought, looking upon her, not hearing her words, that she was mumbling. Maybe she was drunk, as he points out there uh, in verse uh, <clears throat> in verse 13. Eli thought she was drunk. But she says here in verse 14, how long will you, uh, she says in verse, he says in verse 14, how long will you be drunk? Put, put your wine away from you. But she answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured my, out my soul before the Lord. So she says, I'm not drunk. I haven't drank. Uh, she says she, haven't, she hasn't drunk uh, wine nor intoxicating drink. And she says that she instead was doing what? That she was pouring out her soul before the Lord. That she was just laying it all out to God. Her great despair, her great desire before God. You know what's interesting is that Hannah's desire is not for silver and gold. It's just for a child. We find in verse 16, he, uh, she says, Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. So she says, Don't look at me like I'm, I don't think I'm a wicked person. I've done some evil. She's not drunk. She's not doing anything wrong. She says that she is doing what? That she's just bringing it out. She, is, she, she says here, For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. I mean, she's been bringing her complaint, so to speak, to God. But what was it? Was it really? She wasn't really complaining. She just had a strong desire to have a child. We find in verse 17, then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. What is Eli telling her? God has answered your request, your petition, your desire. The word petition there is the idea of a request, a thing asked for or uh, some sometimes even strong refers to as a demand, but here is something that she is asking. He calls a petition. What is it she's asking for? A son. Verse eighteen. Notice in verse eighteen, and he said, and she said rather, "Let your maidservant find favor in your sight." So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Hannah was one who believed in God. She knew that if anyone could grant her request, it would be God. And we find here, as we get ready to close here for our time together today, that Eli tells her that God has answered, he has granted your petition. Not just he has answered, not just he has heard, he has granted it, meaning he's going to give you what you desire. What an incredible thing for Hannah to, to know. No wonder why we find in verse 18, the Bible says that she went her way and ate, which she was not doing until now, and her face was no longer sad. Now, when we stop, we're going to stop there. When we come back next time, we're going to continue looking at the 
prayer of Hannah and looking at Eli's response to that a little bit more closely and looking at some lessons that we can learn from this for us, learn from this lesson for us today. So thank you for being here with me today. I hope you join me again next time as we continue looking at the prayer of Hannah. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.